Okay. I like how you, your name is the same. <laughs> yeah. I like, honestly, I have no brain power left right now. So I was like, I cannot think of anything else. Uh oh. Okay. Like, uh, what is going on? Yeah. So, um, you know, like we did coaching last Tuesday and I was like, I just came from back from vacation. How do I go to sleep on time so I can like make use of my free time? Yeah. Um, the next day in clinic, our financial director comes over to me like at 1030 and says, you have to stop seeing your patients right now. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like I, I'm, these people waited two hours for me. I'm not going to stop seeing them. Um, she's like, okay, well, you know, finish by noon, we have a meeting. And I had a feeling it had to do with the whole credentialing issue from the organization that bought us out. Um, mm-hmm. so it alluded to that, you know, before I left for my trip and I thought, okay, like whatever the office will be shut down for two weeks and then we'll just resume business. Um, no, the office is shut down forever. Um, so basically the senior partner said that, um, you know, they, the organization bought the assets. They didn't purchase the practice. Um, they really just wanted our surgery center. Um, so effective immediately, we, the business had been dissolved. We're not seeing any more patients. Everyone pack up your stuff and go home. Um, again, this is not at all what I anticipated. Um, was definitely a surprise to me and the staff because now we're all unemployed. Um, so the last week has been a whirlwind of trying to contact the patients, trying to find a job, trying to figure out what's going on with my boards. Um, even though this organization apparently purchased the patient list, they are saying that they had nothing to do with our patients and it's our responsibility to like contact them. Um, but we have no employees. So I was told that I have to do all the contacting and everything myself. Um, a patient wants stat medical records. This was forwarded to me. And I was like, I don't know how to download her entire chart to send it to her. Um, and so this is obviously like a patient abandonment issue. You can't just shut down a practice and not tell your patients. Um, I talked to the board, uh, the director of the board, and he said, um, well, you have to write us a letter and then the committee will meet and we'll have to see if they will let you sit for boards. Um, you know, even if you have other surgeons in town follow your patients. Um, and I think what frustrates me is the uncertainty. Like, why can't you just tell me now if I can sit or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and because this happened after the deadline for like the following year, um, this is my last chance to take them before I have to like start all over again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and he told me, he said, well, you could have left. And I said, um, I didn't think my, I didn't know my group was going to close down. What do you mean? Like I could have left. So they were, you know, it's like you say that these are circumstances out of your control and then they come back at you and try to say like, oh, how you could have done something different. And I said, listen, um, you understand that I stayed here and I didn't get paid just so I could take boards. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it would be so crappy if after all that they came back and told me you're out of luck, like start all over. Um, Yeah. So I've been looking at options for what I can do in town um, to stay. And uh, one solo surgeon, it sounds like he'll let me rent space if I want to be solo. Um, That's like, that sounds nice to have nobody in charge of me, but it sounds like a little nerve wracking right now. I still feel like my practice is still building to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, for continuity care with my patients, 
um, you know, it's like, I mean, you know this cause you went out on your own, but it takes like three months before you can get on the insurance companies. And I'm like, well, even if I do that, will the board be okay with there being like a three month gap? If somebody else follows my patients and then I take them back, or are they going to say, sorry, you can't take them. Um, um, and then I, yeah. is that true though? Because you're already, you're already contracted with these insurance companies just with a different entity. Yeah. So what they're telling me is because, um, I was billed under my group, like mm-hmm. not under me, like a separate, um, tax ID that mm-hmm. even though I'm in their system, they start the process all over. And I've heard okay. that from like multiple groups is that even if you switch groups, there's like a long delay. Mm-hmm. Um, and what this, um, group that this organization that purchased my group was saying is that, well, given the long credentialing process, you know, first you need to get privileges from the hospital because they bill like under the hospital network and then it'll be under the hospital, you know, then you need credentials under the hospital network. That's like nine months and we can't wait for you for nine months. So we have other surgeons that are like ready and credentialed to essentially take your spot. And I'm like, that's so shitty. You people offered me a contract. Um, yeah. You know, you sat in my office and said, um, how you've never met anyone who takes 18, any young surgeon that takes 18 days of call a month and how like with the right team, we could, I could be so successful, this and that. Um, and then they turn around and do this and now they're screening all my phone calls. Um, hmm. Another, yeah, it's just, it's very, very shady. I think they basically um, strung us along so they could get our office manager and financial director to help them with the transition. Um, because even for the malpractice insurance, they had put my last date of seeing patients as the date of the sale, which was a month ago. Um, And luckily I caught this and I said, no, I stopped seeing patients like two days ago. So they're at least going to fix that part. But it seems like the right hand thought, oh, okay, everything stopped as of October 10th. And the left hand, which is the people who have the boots on the ground, had like no idea any of this was coming down. What did Um, your attorney say? So um, my attorney had actually warned me that this could happen um, because she said in the sale of the practice that they never um, acquired my contract. Um, They acquired like, you know, the rent, the senior partner's contract and like our EMR as well as like our actual real estate. Mm -hmm. So she warned me that this could happen, but because they had given me a contract and we had such positive discussions, it was, oh, okay, everything's going to be fine. And um, I asked how they could, because in our state, you have to give 60 days notice um, before you shut down a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, medical practice, 30 days notice. And she is saying that, like, technically, because they didn't buy the business, they did everything legally. Um, and they had no obligation to, like, give us any notice. So it's like they just towed the line there. Mm-hmm. Um which I mean, and it's interesting. So lawyers on both sides are claiming that they had no idea only the assets were sold. And I was like, well, my lawyer told me that right away. So I think that's a lie. Um, So he really knows. Um, There's another option for me to stay, which is like joining a group that I've always thought was like a little shady. Um, They're willing to start me pretty quickly. I can bill under like their tax ID. I don't have to bill under mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems probably the best option to like 
you know, land somewhere and start seeing my patients again. Um, but I will say, and this is kind of what I want to talk about today is like, I'm feeling very scared, like in the sense that, you know, usually when you look for a job, you have some time to vet. Um, mm-hmm. And even when I was a fellow, you know, they say when you're a fellow, you have to pick something, right? Because you're graduating, you need a job. But once you're an attending, you can take your time. Mm-hmm. And here I'm in a situation where I don't have time and I'm almost desperate, but I'm trying to not let them know that I'm desperate. Um, but I'm afraid of getting stuck in like a crappy group or a ca- crappy contract um, just to, for the privilege of sitting for my boards. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about why you think the group is shady. Um, <laughs> you might laugh at this. Other people might laugh at this. You know how like in medicine, we're conditioned to think like money is bad. Yeah. Um, the owner of the group is an entrepreneur. He does like a lot in like biotech and like biologics and he owns he's like on the board of like a big restaurant like national restaurant group so it's like um I I don't know um so first when you see that maybe that's when I see it I'm like oh you know when you're so entrepreneurial like that are you like overbilling patients are you um (laughs) encouraging surgeries that like shouldn't be done like that's usually what I associate that with This is Um, hilarious, actually, because look at what you just came from. You came from like the person who's the worst business business person on the planet, like legit worst. And now there's this other group whose owner is is an actual business person. Yeah, um, that that's actually a really good point. I never thought about that. Like, do I ever want to be with a bad business person again? Probably like not. Ever? No, <laughs> never. Okay, so that's a really good point. So um, it's really interesting, though, because if this is the best option, just kind of like your gut is like, this is my best option. Let's explore if it's even true, your apprehension, you know, like, yeah. why are you having the apprehension? I think I know why. It's because you've been burned more times than an average person. I've been born more times than a matchstick. You have. You have a <laughs> you have a particularly unique experience with <laughs> shit raining down. I know. I was gonna text you. I don't think I'm ever gonna come out of that like sewage tunnel. Right? God. <laughs> so the funny, yeah. I mean it's not funny. It's funny, but yeah. it's not funny. It's not yeah. funny at all. And the, I just was for the whole past year, I've been doing this coaching training where the leader of the training talks about like pianos don't just fall out of the sky. I mean, they do occasionally, but not really like most of the time there are things within our immediate control that we can do and blah, blah, blah. And that's, I mean, this is a person who ran up like a multi-million dollar hedge fund who um, is an attorney who is like a really high powered woman. And I'm just like, yeah, but sometimes pianos do fall out of the sky. And I have some people I know that it's happened like multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) Piano fell out of the fucking sky right on their head. Um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's true. Like in a one month or I guess like three month period, I was offered or told I was going to be offered a contract and then it was like taken away. Okay. Yeah. Which I think was probably a move on their part. Yeah. You know, it was a move to kind of like keep you 
sort of like placated while they were getting all yes. their other stuff together. Yes. Mm-hmm. And of course there's that job I interviewed for where everything was amazing. And then they ended up taking like one of their former residents, which I didn't know about, which is not a reflection on me. It was just like crappy timing. Yeah. This is the stuff. This is so important for people to listen to because most of the time piano is not falling out of the sky, but occasionally it does. And sometimes it does multiple times. And the thing is, is that we are not taught how to navigate any of this. We have such green, rosy, like perspective on going to get a job. And you just like think everything's going to be okay. We have no idea how strategic and how um, cutthroat things can be. And like, it's a world we have, we know nothing about. So I would... I would imagine that if this guy who is the um, the head of this possible group to join is mm-hmm. is a savvy business person that's actually good, not bad. What else do you have that's apprehension good. of about? Um, you know, I'm always wary worry of someone who like talks and talks and talks about like how great their group is, but like in very general terms, he's like, we have the best group in town. I was like, dude, I don't even know any, I've never heard of any of your surgeons. Um, and I know of like some surgeons that have come and gone from there. I'm actually trying to reach out to them to just find out what the experience is, not because it would necessarily cause me to turn down the jobs. I don't really have a choice. Um, but that just so I could, you know, maybe be more aware of some things. Um, although, uh, part of the reason I even got connected is one of our former PAs is now this surgeon's PA. Mm -hmm. And she told me she has no complaints and she hated working for, uh, my, the previous senior partner. So I was like, well, she has no complaints. Like how bad can it be? (laughs) Um, seriously, my friend, you (laughs) like anything would be better than what you just came from literally anything would be better. I know. So, I know. I think I have, I think I have Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> so, well, I mean, well, at there, least I knew how shitty it was. Is there an opportunity to just do like a short-term contract? Like maybe one year, you know, like one year, Yeah. just get through the boards, um, give them one year, test yeah. them out, road test it. You're not committed forever, but damn. And I mean, here's the other thing, like, have you looked into getting your own malpractice insurance? Cause my spidey senses tell me that, um, this other sh- sort of situation you're coming from, nobody's covering your tail. Yeah. So we're in discussions about my tail because actually my contract said, if something like this happens and either like we split the tail 50, 50, or they cover it, mm-hmm. um, they are refuting every other Thing I'm asking for, like, because I have to do it through the bankruptcy court. So they're claiming I took four months of PTO, where I was there for two years. I don't know how like one could take four months of PTO in two years. Um, so that's pretty laughable. They're like refusing to cover like other stuff in the contract but with the tail insurance. They're willing to have a discussion. Um, if not, uh, I was talking to the malpractice carrier about tail insurance versus just having my own solo policy because that can be a lot cheaper much cheaper like orders of magnitude cheaper because right now I'm being quoted 70 grand and I'm like I don't want to pay 70 grand for something that wasn't my fault (laughs) yeah that's how much I mine was 80 it's a 78,000 dollars and my personal policy is 26,000 dollars a year 
So okay. that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I'll see if like maybe the new group would be willing to cover like a personal policy instead of like whatever it is under the group policy. Um, but I will say, I mean, this is just like a longer term thought. And again, I have to go work somewhere. So I don't have a choice, but mm-hmm. it kind of sucks, you know, when you're in medicine and you're going from job to job, I mean, you're racking up that malpractice talent insurance. So I just think about like, okay, this group, I don't know, like how I feel about this guy working for him. I'll leave in a year. Well, that's just like another, you know, malpractice cost you have to have. Well, it just depends. Like if you end up going out on your own, then yeah, it's your cost, but otherwise you work it into your contract. So the, like, if you leave and you need tail, it depends on like, if you have um, a new policy or not, right? Like it depends on so many different things. So uh, for example, like joining Kaiser, which is what Mm -hmm. I did. Like Kaiser yeah. covers their own malpractice through that. So I didn't have to yeah. have malpractice for them. I only needed it for my own patients. So I don't think, um, I, I, I don't, I'm not an expert on this. So talk to your malpractice carrier just to get clear on it. But, um, when I called my malpractice carrier, they said, what are you talking about? We were credentialing you for the um the the group that took over your group hmm so it's like all signs pointed to this was supposed to work out um but right so um he i i'm waiting for the contract um i actually talked to him a couple hours ago he said he'd send it to me tomorrow um but it's like one of those things where i don't know how willing he is to negotiate because he's like well i already have you know, he already has like a surgeon like me, all the person's not busy at all. He's like very close to retirement. He's like, I don't necessarily need anyone, but you know, this gives you a landing pad. And I think you have like a very good, um, like work ethic and attitude, like not to mention my entire practice that I'm bringing over. So, um, I almost feel like he's, I mean, I have to test the waters first. Right. But I almost feel like he's probably not going to budge on stuff and not negotiate. And I'll just kind of be trapped. Um, with the, with the, uh, restaurant guy, the restaurant guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what kind of a, well, I don't want you to tell me cause it might give away your identity, but, um, yeah. so it's a multi subspecialty group then. Yes. Okay. Um, and they cover the same hospital you work or like, what's the, what's the nuts <laughs> and bolts of the job? They actually don't go to any hospitals. They have no hospital privileges. They refuse to go to the hospital. They do everything outpatient at their surgery center. Um, So he told me that while he is fine with me taking call, he eventually wants me to get off the call schedule because he wants me to be like busy enough on my own. Um, Everything will be done at the surgery center, which means like no more doing elective cases at 9 p.m. at night at the hospital. So that part I like, um, he's like, you're going to have a way better lifestyle than you did at the old place. Um, and then he's already talked to like some referral courses about me who say that they would like to have someone like me around. So he's already like working on trying to funnel some patients to me. Um, but yeah, but it's going to be sort of similar to my old group in the sense that there is no cross coverage. So um, you know, just like I was in the old group in these situations where I'd be on call for myself all the time. Um, that's not going to change. 
but I have two choices. Either I eventually get busy enough and can come off like one call schedule or, you know, I say, well, in 10 months or whatever, I'll just leave. Yeah. Or maybe you really like it and you hire a PA. Yeah. Okay. So it potentially could be a better lifestyle. We'll see. Yeah. Did he say he would give you a paycheck? (laughs) Well, so yeah, (laughs) paychecks are good. So um, part of the thing that, you know, red flag for me is um, I talked to somebody who had turned down an offer from him and I asked her why. And she said the salary was just way too low. Um, She couldn't do it for like what she needed. Um, So I thought I was gonna be offered a salary and a bonus, but he's saying he wants just collections based. And so I was like, so I'm not going to get a paycheck for three months because like I have to bring my patients over and then they have to bill them. And then whatever, three months later, you get a check. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did ask them a couple times about salary with bonus, but he's like, no, I just do, you know, collections, um, 60, 40, um, for everybody now. And I don't split? love that. What's 60, the split 40. though? 60 to you or 60 to him? Oh, 60 to me. That's good. Yeah, I was going to say it's better than my old group, which was like 50-50 once you're a partner. Yeah, that's pretty good. And so what's the old yeah. Like, do you have to contribute to overhead? He said he just takes 40% of the paycheck and you do not need to sit there and worry about like how much the rent is or how much the staff is or whatever. You just take 40% out of your paycheck so out of sounds, like before he... Um, sorry to cut you off, but this sounds a lot like what it's like to be an independent contractor where you yeah. rent where you kind of like rent space with a group and you basically just have the group do all your billing for you. Yeah. Which is a model that you can do as an independent contractor, but it sounds like you will just be, did he say if you would be an independent contractor under him? No. So I'll be W2. That's why, because like um, the other independent contractor model I looked at, right? Like renting space from this other surgeon. Right. um, That would be that. But I'm like, I'm W2 and I'm like only collections based and there's going to be like a transition period. Um, And he's like, well, if you really need some salary, you can give it to you, but it's a loan. And he's like, you don't want to get in the hole. So if you can survive with like no paycheck for a few months, you know, that would be better. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, It's not bad, to be honest. It's really not bad. Considering all the stuff you've already experienced, um, it sounds very clean, right? Like you don't have to worry about overhead. You don't have to worry. Like it's just this clean thing. You know what you're, you know what you're capable of producing. You know what your RVUs are. You know Mm -hmm. what you'll be doing, right? Like, you know, so to have the machinery in place to do all the billing and to do like the overhead part is really great because you would have to set all that stuff up on your own if you decide to rent space from somebody it's doable it's totally but it's still going to be three months because you have to get on everybody's insurance plan yeah still gonna have to do your collections but all that machinery is going to be in place already yeah I guess my thought with being an independent contractor though so like with this other um surgeon who's agreed to let me come on like I talked to his office manager and she said you know they would take care of all that stuff for me. I would just, you know, pay them whatever percentage he wants me to pay them. Um, is that, you know, the difference here is it's like eat what you kill as a W-2 employee. Um, you know, everything's set up for you, but then there's also like things that come along with that, like a non-compete and whatever. So I'm like, well, 
if it's almost the same thing as being like an independent contractor with a, you know, a practice where they're willing to help out with that, you know, is it worth it then like running into a non-compete versus if I'm solo, I don't have one. Okay. What do you mean by non-compete? What's, what do you mean? Like, how does that come into play? Oh, so, um, if I leave, um, I can't work within like a certain mile radius. So if I leave the restaurant guys group, I cannot work within a certain mile radius for um, a certain amount of time. Um, and, you know, if I feel like there's a chance I may leave, then that's always something that I definitely look at is the non-compete. Um, and so I'm like, well, I'm going to be eat what you kill to start, which means that I'm contributing to the overhead to start. Um, but then you're going to stick me in a non-compete anyway. So maybe that's a point you can negotiate on. Yeah, I'll ask him. I was sort of asking him a little bit about that today. And he's like, oh, it's the same contract I give everyone, same contract I give everyone. And it's like one of those things where I don't want to come off as desperate, but like I kind of am. So I'm like, well, if he doesn't move the non-compete, I'll just take it. So that's where I'm feeling like a little scared and powerless where normally I'm like a negotiating ninja, but mm -hmm. I've never been in this situation before where I just need to take something right away. And you mentioned you were going to talk with people that have left the group. Yeah. So I think that'd be a good idea to figure out like why they left, mm -hmm. like why it didn't work for their particular practice. It sounds like it really could work for your particular practice because you do a lot of outpatient surgery. Yeah. You work like, um, and I am, I am entrepreneurial, which it sounds like the other people were not, but that's just like a part of being in private practice. You have to be to survive. You do. And you're not afraid to work. Like you're not afraid yeah. to grind. And you've, you've, that has come across for years now that I like, man, yeah. man this person's <laughs> not afraid of a long day. Yeah. Maybe, so, I, maybe I should be. <laughs> I mean, at some point, but like for now, if yeah. that's, I don't know. It's, it's not so far. Nothing sounds glaringly that bad. Like if a non-compete okay, really good. bothers you, I'm not a lawyer and I'm, and I'm not the end all be all authority on this. And I know that you have had some really unique experiences with getting a practice started that have been <laughs> very painful and, uh, just like, it's, you know, I almost feel like the board thinks I'm making stuff up when I call them and I'm like, Hey, something else happened in life. <laughs> <laughs> Like, who is this pathological liar? I'm like, no, I promise I'm be telling you the truth. I mean, you can have your attorney write a letter, right? Like it's, yeah, um, it happens. We see this in our patient population. We see the people who you're just like, holy shit, how much bad luck can one person have? Yeah. We see this all the time. There is just a yeah. string of stupid bad luck things that happen to people. And yeah, are there things that we can do to kind of navigate life and, and, you know, be the best we can be in these circumstances? Of course, but that doesn't stop the universe from raining down shit sandwiches from time to time. It just happens. Yeah. And I say this to my husband all the time. I'm like, you know what, no matter what happens, we don't live in Gaza, no matter what happens. Yes. We don't I live know. in That's like actual hell. Like, yeah. it, Recently, it's been Gaza, but before that, it was Aleppo. I had some Syrian yeah. refugee patients who 
Um, and this is not to diminish what you're going through because what you're going through really sucks. I mean, it sucks badly, but in the grand scheme of the universe, you have an amazing skill set. You have a drive that's beyond many people's drive. You're hilarious and very affable. Thanks. And it's Thanks. like, who wouldn't want to have a, like a practice with somebody who is this focused and motivated and committed to just excellent patient care with the whole, um, the patient that you and I talked about earlier in the year that I don't think was knowledge for the whole room one group, but the, that, that yeah. really freaky complicated patient. Yeah. It's like, well, fuck, I wish you were my doctor. If I was having a problem. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but it's true. And so then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, yes, we're eating shit sandwiches, but they taste pretty good compared to Aleppo. Which, I know. That's why it's like, if you think about it, this is truly a first world problem. It is, but it also really sucks. Yeah. Like both can exist at the same time. And my diatribe is not helping with your problem. <laughs> um, but I think what um, would be useful is, is first of all, determining what's actually a red flag here and what isn't. I think you're probably primed to think things are a red flag for good reason. <sighs> Yeah. And the reality may not be that. I don't know. Like, so it might be just helpful to be like, okay, so how is this guy like a completely savvy businessman? And how could this really work for me? Um, Could there be room to just have a short-term contract for a year? That way I'll get through my boards and then I'll be board certified. And if it's great, awesome. But if it's not great, then I'll freedom to leave. Is there room to negotiate with the non-complete, non-compete clause? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause like I mentioned, I'm pretty good at negotiating. You know, what's crappy is my last two contracts. I negotiated to protect myself so much. And like with the bankruptcy, none of it protected me um, because it didn't matter. Right. Like your contract are relevant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be like less scared. So I have the courage to say, I want, I mean, the non-compete's really not terrible. I just want it to be a little bit better, but to say, I want like a better non-compete or I want a better such and such. Um, because if I'm bringing you, yes, I need the job, but I'm also bringing you my practice. I mean, the patients I've called, they've all said, we can wait for follow-up. Just call us back in a couple of weeks when you have a new job. Yeah. I mean, it's just worth bringing up with the guy, right? He's not, he doesn't yeah. sound like he's a stupid person business-wise anyway. And it doesn't really help no. him to have a non-compete with you. How does Well, he was him? saying like, so he was saying the reason he does it is because of the hospitals. Um, So we're in like a competitive area of a big city and, um, you know, the hospitals will just come and poach everyone. Um, cause again, they'll offer you the, the lucrative partner type salary and all the benefits and this and that. Um, and so he does it because he doesn't want a hospital to come and like steal away one of his physicians. Um, oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So he's looking at, you know, obviously from like a business, like a business owner standpoint is, um, you know, you work with me, I help you here. And then you just get up and leave because the hospital like lures you away. Um, although I think my counter argument to him is going to be, I understand that, but I'm also bringing you my practice. So you did not give me like this entire practice. And I wonder if there's room for a conditional non-compete. Like if I leave to go to a hospital system, the non-compete, the non-compete is intact. But if I leave to go on my own, 
the non-compete is not intact or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if that exists. I'm just spitballing, but it, I think it would oh. be worth discussing with him. Um, in my, yeah, I mean, in my first job, which I was hospital employed, I had them do it. So the non-compete was not a valid for the first year. So if things didn't work out and I left within a year or vice versa, um, there was no non-compete then. There you go. Or maybe like the non-compete is, um, not valid. Like you said, for a year, 10 months, six months, but then after that it's intact. Like, cause that'll give you a little bit of time to determine like, is this going to be a place you want to stay or not? Yeah. Um, I think that's all super reasonable and it's not gonna, I, I really don't think that comes across as desperate. I think that comes across as very okay. smart. Okay. That's what good. comes across as desperate um, is like showing up with saliva dripping out of your mouth with a pin in your hand. <laughs> like, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted me to like start on Monday and I said, hold on. Like I need malpractice insurance, like cool your jets. Yeah. Um, but um, one of the physicians who was in my group had also talked to him beforehand. And he, I said, you know, why didn't you join him? And he said, um, you really have to watch your numbers around him. And I'm not a numbers guy. And so whenever somebody says that, then it's kind of like, oh, well, are they going to be dishonest? Are they not going to pay you what you're owed? Um, but I'm a numbers person. So yeah. I guess I could just keep track of that. This might be a marriage made in heaven, to be quite honest. With you. <laughs> you might be his biggest producer and he might be like giving you a crown of diamonds at some point. <laughs> Maybe. Seriously, like um, 60, 40 is really, really fair. In my yeah, opinion, in my non-business opinion, in the research I did getting myself off the ground, 50-50 yeah. was the best around in this area, Yes, which is a, yes. it's not exactly the same market as yours, but it's a high cost of living, very mm -hmm. saturated with orthopedic surgeons, and nobody was offering better than 50-50. Yeah. I mean, my old group was 50-50. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, no, I mean, when he said 60-40, I thought that was pretty good. It's just, you know, I will have to be on top of it and make sure they're actually giving me my 60% and something funny isn't happening. But honestly, this last year, I've basically been an accountant in my own old group anyway. So might yeah. as well just continue that. Um, I mean, and these I are mean, points of discussion with him too. Like yeah. who does the billing? How does like what you need, I think is transparency. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very good term. And I think that a, a smart business person would appreciate that, like where you have come from and how that was the opposite of transparency and how you have had to sharpen your skills, so to speak, with respect to billing and coding and RVUs and all this other stuff. And especially if the non-compete is there, like how is it that you can blindly walk into a new situation without understanding how, besides the fact that it's just ethical, you know, mm -hmm. billing is a part of our ethical duty to bill ethically. Yeah. And maybe that's where some of your spidey senses are kind of like, okay, so if they're so interested in the bottom line, are they not billing ethically or something mm -hmm. along those lines? And so I wonder if a, like a point of discussion around transparency with him will just help kind of allay some of your concerns. Um, yeah, I think that's, the perfect term because there was no transparency in my previous group there's still no transparency right like no one will answer me on who's supposed to call these patients um and I think that's probably what it is is I feel that someone like him who just like 
talks and talks and talks and talks and doesn't really give you like a direct answer is probably not being that transparent. Does he have a business person, like a business manager who you could speak with? He does, but it's really interesting because um, I also feel like she's not trying to tell me stuff. So yesterday, so I mean, this all happened very quickly. I texted our old PA on Thursday. She got me the phone number on Friday. I called him Sunday. He called me right back. Come for an interview tomorrow. Um, And so when I talked to her, the manager yesterday, you know, I was like, hey, how do benefits work? Like health insurance, this and that, whatever. I felt Mm -hmm. like she could not get off the phone any faster. So then Mm -hmm. I actually ended up talking to him about that stuff tonight. And I was like, this is what she's telling me. Like, it sounds, I didn't say this, but I was like, sounds like you guys are offering really crappy health insurance. And like, I don't want to be a doctor with crappy health insurance. And he's like, oh no, we're not going to go with that. We're going to go with something better. But it's like, I don't really know um, Mm -hmm. who's telling the truth, right? If If she's the one who's looking at the plans, is she telling the truth or is he just waving me off so that I'll sign and then I'm there and then I have to take their crappy health insurance. Yeah. So that's what I think it is. It's not like if I ask a question, I don't necessarily get a direct answer. I get like a very circular answer. Yes. Here's another point, like not to like, I don't know. Health insurance (laughs) is wonderful. Like a benefit that exists is great (laughs) because if you're on your own, yeah, to get it on your own. You won't have to, you won't have it. So that's just another point. And de- a decent plan. I don't know because we have, um, my husband's retired from the military. So we have TRICARE, which is basically like glorified Medicaid. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, I don't even know what a premium would be like a couple thousand dollars a month, maybe. Oh, it's- no. Um, like six hundred. Oh, I mean, if you get on the healthcare exchange, it can be anywhere from like a hundred to four or five hundred. Oh, that's not as bad for your, for yourself, for yourself though. Yeah. I don't know about family. Yeah. yeah. For yourself. Um, okay. that's why I was like, well, if you were going to offer the terrible one, I'd probably just buy it off the exchange anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just decline and then get your own. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. So that's not really a problem then. Okay. It's just a matter of who's telling the truth. Yes. And, and I mean, again, um, I think talking to some of the other, people would be helpful. Um, uh, but I think that's what makes me nervous, right? Is like with this previous guy I worked for, he's doesn't come off as shady at all. He comes across as a very nice bumbling old fool. Um, but there was actually no transparency. And he also does not give you direct answers. Um, but he does it in a very slow way. So it wasn't until I got here and saw what was going on that I was like, oh, I've been duped. Yeah wonder what's a way around that is maybe to ask people to put stuff in writing like okay thank you so much can you please put this in an email or maybe you could type up an email reflecting the conversation and asking for yeah. the corroboration yeah make sure it's all correct yeah like to make sure I'm understanding this correctly like to make sure that I'm yeah. understanding what you're saying this is what I understood our conversation to mean blah 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 yeah. blah 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 is this correct? Yes or no? I mean, yeah. I think that that might be another way to get just a little bit of clarity and then also to have a paper trail. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so I did email his practice manager about the 401k and she didn't email me back. So I called her and it's because they don't offer one. Mm. Um, 
And it's like, I know it's a small business, but like even my messed up practice had like a pretty good 401k. So it's like stuff like that where I'm like, well, if you're so successful, why aren't you offering your employees like good benefits? And then like, what's the point of being employed here versus like being an independent contractor under here? Good question. And it sounds like, oh, I wonder if that would be an option for you to not be employed, but to be an independent contractor, you would function the same way, but you would get a 1099 instead of a W-2. Right. And then, Um, then, yeah, you know, still use all their stuff, blah, blah, blah. But then you could set up your own S-Corp and you could just do all this stuff yourself. Is that something that you guys Um, talked about? I had asked him because, because the way he was talking, it sounded like an independent contractor position. And then I asked him, I said, am I 1099 or W2? He's like, you're W2. And I was like, well, I don't get any of the benefits of being a W2. So like, why are you doing that? <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay. um, I don't know. He says that they've always just done it as like W2. Um, I guess, oh, you want to, I guess his thing is, is because I'm just taking, you know, 40%. I'm not sitting there and like calculating how much this is and that is. So if it's just like the 60, 40 split, then I think they find it easier for someone to be like W2 instead of an independent contractor, where I think then you have to go and actually calculate like how much you're using everything, how many days a week you're in clinic versus the OR. Like I think probably the math is a little easier. Yeah. And I wonder if there's another um, option to be a W-2 with him and have your own S-Corp and then moonlight in some way. Um, yeah. So what I was originally thinking, oh, one of the things I was thinking was um, there's some like lucrative locums jobs out there yeah. is doing locums for like a week, a month. And then, you know, just to like sustain myself. Um mm-hmm while I'm waiting for like money and stuff to come in and then, you know, working the other three weeks in town. Um, and that works, you know, if you're a 1099, it does not work if you're a W2 because then obviously he wants you like there and making money. So that would be the difference between working for him versus like, you know, setting up shop in this other surgeon's office where I can just come and go as I please. Yeah. Um, but then the benefit for him is because my practice is still growing, um, some still early career that, you know, I could get like some, uh, like a lot of referrals through him. Yeah. Wow. I feel like we need Jeopardy music or something. (laughs) Like what's it going to be? Um, and again, like, what's that? I think both are viable and you have the skills to do both and you have the knowledge to do both. It's really not that different. Only you Uh would have to just get all your own shit set up for, uh, you know, to rent space office, but people do it all the time. It's not that big a deal. Right. Um, I think, you know, the other complicating factor is here is because of my patient follow-up. I mean, because I can bill under his group, um, he can get me started the minute I sign my contract. Whereas for the 1099, even if I charge patients like out of network um, for access of care, I don't know how many of them would stay with me if I'm like, okay, well, you need to pay out of pocket for a couple months until I'm 
in um, in network. And then, you know, for the board's patients, it means just like eating the cost on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of like the other things that have come to my mind of, you know, which one's better. Which I have to say, I think it is insane. And there's no other, you know, job out there where you're expected to eat the cost of like, do you know, of like, of a, of a business in this way, if that makes sense. Um, for oh, the boards, yeah. like, I think it's crazy that the boards has no problem telling you stay in a crappy job, don't get paid, eat the cost of your patients just so you can get like a piece of paper saying that you're certified. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, um, I don't know what's going on with the boards and, uh, I, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to reveal your subspecialty and compromise your identity, but, um, yeah, I have talked to a number of surgeons who have had trouble with the boards and who are just running into, um, roadblocks that seem, um, unreasonable. Yes. Um, and that's how I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's like, uh, I, I really don't know like what other industries, like with the bar exam, I'm sure it's very, very difficult and they Mm -hmm. only offer it on certain days. I'm sure and yada, yada, but I don't know about other industries besides law and medicine, um, where, (laughs) (laughs) right. Like you have to like, basically be punished in a number of different ways. If things don't work out perfectly for you to be, to make it by this particular deadline. Right. And I mean, I think the California neurosurgeon who's in this group, I think she said for their boards, like you can just um, have the patient get an x-ray at another practice or whatever. And like, that's enough follow-up. But Mm -hmm. for my board, that is not (laughs) like, having the patient and that's the thing right if they could just tell me yes you can sit or no you couldn't sit because if they're going to tell me no anyway why waste time with any of this and then why not do locums and take my time until like something really good opens up yeah but they will not do that yeah Yeah. so that's why i'm like okay these are my two options they're they're not giving me any um any guarantees so you know what can i do to at least meet as much of their criteria and then how can I feel like more empowered when I'm talking and negotiating with this guy right and I think that that's exactly what you've done oh I don't think I've done it but thank you (laughs) probably more more so than many people um you you have talked to the board you I mean they asked you to write a letter so I'm sure you're gonna do that Mm -hmm. um you could have your lawyer write a letter like this is and anybody who is on the board, like, tell me who has been through something like this where they're pre- like literally somebody's like, well, you just you have to stop seeing patients. Right. And oh, you should have had a crystal ball to imagine that. This was going to happen like you could have left. Well, no, actually, because then that's another thing that the board would have been like, well, why didn't it's like, it's like you're damned if you do and Mm -hmm. you're damned if you don't. 
Exactly. Like, you know, I told him, I said, the only reason I stayed was to meet your criteria. Yeah. Because didn't you talk to them before too, or at some point? Oh yeah. I've like talked to them multiple times. Um, I've like filed appeals with them and stuff. Um, cause he most, cause he was actually supportive. The last conversation I had with him and this time he was, um, not as supportive. Um, and one thing he said was, well, the group filed for bankruptcy in May, you could have left then. Well, it was a chapter 11, which means you stay open. And yeah. as my sister pointed out, our mom had just died unexpectedly. Like, I didn't even know about the bankruptcy until I got back to work like three weeks later. Yeah. Um, so no, that was not the time I was sitting and looking for a new job. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Okay, so with so- all that being said, you know, get my power back and try to negotiate with this guy and like not be so scared coming in because, you know, I do feel like, oh, I'm appreciative that I have the job opportunity where I should be more that, hey, you're also lucky you have me coming in with my practice. 100%. I mean, there's a reason why the other guy said no is because he's not a numbers guy. You are a numbers guy to have a numbers yeah. guy come in with the work ethic that you have is huge for this group. It's you're a huge yeah. asset and, yeah. and any other point of view is wrong and it's gonna, um, I, I lost my train of thought, but that's, it, that's a hundred percent like an asset coming into him. But one of the things that you, you mentioned when we first started was that you, had the sense that it's a shady group so there's something underlying that giving you the sense it's a shady group and so I think we talked a little bit about it like maybe some of that stuff's actually not true like Mm there that does not indicate that they're shady but is there anything else that does and then and then on those points can you just then negotiate for transparency so that you can get a sense for is this really shady or are you just like uh, overly cautious because of what you've experienced. Yeah. Um, so I think that's good. I think what I will tell him is, Hey, you know, there, I appreciate transparency because there wasn't any in my last group. So I'm just going to be, you know, very direct with you here. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way to approach it. Cause then I don't come off as like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I don't want to say questioning, but, you know, I'm used to like a negotiation process. I'm used to having like a couple weeks to negotiate back and forth and, you know, the opportunity to say no, if I want to leave, if I just, you know, if I'm like, well, this isn't good enough for me. And here I'm like, okay, I think out of the two options, this is probably the better option, mm-hmm. but you know, how do I stay empowered so I can make it, you know, a little bit closer to what I would like it to be. Yeah. I love that. And it sounds like the, it's, you know, kind of getting some clarification around the non-compete, like what's Mm -hmm. the term of the contract. Um, And then insurance, which you're going to cover your malpractice insurance, it sounds like, but then they're going to give you benefits. Oh, they offer, um, the malpractice comes out of that 40% overhead. So they will provide it. Um, You know, the question is, can I have them either do like a nose coverage or maybe cover like part of a solo policy so I don't have to pay for this asinine tail coverage? Yeah. And that might be, you know, that's a great um, point of negotiation 
like it may be worth keeping a non-compete if they'll cover that. You know what right. I'm saying? Like just to yeah. sort of have like a little bit of back and forth. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, you were um, the only person that came for Minted Shark. Okay. Um, lucky, it's my lucky day. Actually, you know what? Yesterday, um, cause I did want to like talk about this because I was like, you know, I'm feeling like so scared and unempowered and I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had plans yesterday evening and I was like, well, maybe it'll be pushed to the next day. And then I saw your post and I was like, okay, now I can come. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I had to go get a so. freaking crown. My teeth are falling apart. Oh no. 46 because apparently I grind my teeth. Oh, I probably because you're stressed. Well, I shouldn't be. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> you're living your ideal, ideal work life. <laughs> I do. I have the best life. And I wake up in the morning and my fists are clenched and my jaws are clenched. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, I cracked a tooth. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, uh, yikes. Okay. Well, I'm okay. sorry you cracked a tooth, but I'm glad we were able to talk today. Me too. Now, yeah. okay. So do you feel a little better for in your position with this person? I don't know. I think there's like so much shit going on. I don't know what to do with anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've literally spent like hours calling patients instead of focusing on myself. And I was just thinking like, I understand we have a responsibility to them, but I think that's ridiculous. It is. And at the same time, it's another indication of your ethical commitment. I don't, I mean, I don't know, but I, I am not sure how many people would do that. I mean, you have to though, like the practice just closed down. Like I have to tell them that I can't operate on them. And like, I was actually waiting for some guidance on like how I should structure my email um, Mm -hmm. to them, but no guidance came. So I was like, I'm just gonna write whatever I want. Yeah. Um, you know, Actually, your malpractice, your malpractice carrier probably has a template. Uh, that's where I got my template when I left my group was from the malpractice. Oh. Whoops, I already sent it out. But the good <laughs> news is, again, I can control the narrative. So I wrote in bold, I hope to be seeing patients in the area again in the next few weeks. Perfect. Yeah. Um, because I figure if no one gave me any guidance, they can't tell me that, oh, I'm like dealing my patients away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So I think, you know, like you pointed out, since it's been, I'm probably very, very hesitant because of all the bad stuff that's happened. So Mm -hmm. instead of looking at this, like, hey, good, I'm finally with a numbers person who's like me. I'm like, oh, you're a numbers person. You're scary. Yeah. I mean, we have apprehension for a reason. And the question is, 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 is it true or not? Like, is it or... Um, is there something going on there that your spidey senses are peaked or is it that you're overly cautious right now? Um, it's, and it's hard to know. I think more, more, um, negotiation with this guy and getting things in writing and talking with people who've left will help you kind of know what, like what side of the fence it falls on. Right. And I mean, just a couple of days ago, I was sitting on my couch crying because I had like no options here and was gonna have to get up and move all of a sudden and then 
literally within 48 hours, these two options became available. And I was like, you should be grateful that you have these options because then I can go and tell the board there was only like a two or three week gap in patient care instead of like, I never saw them again. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is good fortune. Like two days ago, you would have, you know, you were so upset and now you have these options and maybe they're not the best, but at least they're options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep us posted. This is like going to business school. You're helping everybody. Like, honestly, this is an act of service for um, a group of people who otherwise don't have the chance to experience these things. So especially for the people who are just starting out when they're going into negotiations or they're, or they're evaluating different jobs, like the experience that you're providing through this group is an education for people that we don't get. So it's a really wonderful act of service that you're doing through the whole thing. Well, I hope that one day I can come on here and not talk about this anymore. (laughs) Um, Maybe that'll be sometime soon. But the only thing I would say for new people is um, I compare this to going from like college sports to like the NFL or the NBA or WNBA or whatever, where when you're in residency, it's like, camaraderie and learning and like you're relatively protected but then Mm -hmm. when you're in attending it's the real world like professional sports where it's only about money you can kind of forget about like for the most part like goodwill and things like that like you're you're you got to watch out for yourself first you do yep yeah so okay well keep us posted fermented shark all right thank you i hope your attitude feels better (laughs) oh yeah it's fine (laughs) okay good all right bye